0: Today on Blue 58, the 2019 season is over. A strong 49ers team steamrolled the Packers, leaving us to contemplate what happened and, more importantly, what happens next. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Mierdink, joining you today for the last time to recap a Packers game from the 2019 season. We all knew this was a possibility, right? It's a big part of the reason that I didn't want to do a traditional preview episode on Friday. For one thing, we had already played the 49ers this year. I feel like it's pretty well understood what the 49ers are about. But on the other hand, the 49ers are really good. And no matter how well the Packers played, there was always a chance that the 49ers would not only win, but win pretty convincingly. And the Packers didn't play particularly well, and so the 49ers... Take the Packers apart. Aaron Rodgers predicted going into this game that it wasn't going to be the same as Week 12. He was right. It was worse. This loss, I think, was worse than the Week 12 loss. Yeah, the score's a little tighter, but those points the Packers put up late, I have a hard time putting a lot of faith into those numbers being real. So it's over now. We are officially entering the long dark of the offseason. Like I said, I will not do another recap podcast of a Packers game until September. The next big Packers news we're going to have is free agency. And then the draft. The Packers will pick 30th overall in the first round, assuming there are no trades taking them elsewhere. We've got a lot of offseason ahead of us. And it doesn't feel great. Losses prompt tough questions. And now it's going to be time to ask some tough questions about every part of the Packers organization. From the players on the field to the coaches that directed them to the personnel people who put together this roster. Some of those questions will take up right now. Others will will wait a little while to take on. But first, I think we got to take a moment and admit that this kind of stinks. Like I said, there was a chance that it was going to be ugly. And yes, it did get ugly. But it does still make me feel like a little bit of a hypocrite for telling everybody to enjoy this ride. I know it doesn't take away from the season as a whole. The season ends in a loss for 31 teams in the league every year. So should we enjoy it less? No, we should try not to let that happen. But does this make it a little bit harder to look back and enjoy the whole season? In some ways, yeah. For right now, I guess. I'm also reminded of something that I read in a review once. A review for a video game, of all things, once. I don't know how many of you out there have played the game, the the Mass Effect trilogy. It's one of my favorites. Really, I've gone back to that time and time again. Really enjoy it. But there are some problems with the ending of the third one. Mass Effect 3 did not nail the landing. As a whole, it's a great ride, but the ending was not great. When it came out, it was basically crushed for that ending, to the point that the developer had to release an entirely new patch that added a bunch of content to the end of the game. It wasn't great. But at the time, one reviewer asked what I thought was a really poignant question to everybody who was blowing up Mass Effect 3 for not being any good at the end. He asked, Are you mad at the ending? Or are you just mad that it's over? I think that's a good question for us here. I'm mad that it's over. Mad, maybe not the right word. I'm disappointed that it's over. Even if there was only a small chance the Packers could win, there was still that chance. Now that chance has passed us by. It's over for sure now. I'm disappointed by the ending. But I'm going to try to restrict it to just being bent out of shape that it's over, as opposed to just getting really worked up by the ending. Because in a game like this, there's so many things that you could point at and say, this has got to change, this has got to change before too long. You've got the entire Packers team redone, and you may not even be as good again next year. For what it's worth, both may be legitimate. You can be mad at this game, and if you want to focus all of your rage into how the Packers played in this game, I think that's fine. That's legit. If you're just mad that it's over and dang it, you wish that they could have gone on to the Super Bowl and, and won, I think that's fair too. But I will circle back to that overall point of just trying to enjoy the ride. Because no matter what, as Packers fans, we've got to remember that football is a pretty limited thing. We don't get a lot of this every year. And we got some bonus games this year. We got an entire, almost an entire month of extra football from the Packers this year. They had a bye. Then the divisional round, then this. Three solid weeks of football that was not guaranteed to us at the start of the year. That's a lot to be thankful for, I think. But this game stunk, and we got to talk about this game and the ramifications thereof before we can really start into the offseason. First of all, just this game in particular, I think was a clinic on how not to beat the 49ers. That preview podcast I've referenced a couple times now was not 100% serious, and if you listen to it, you probably know what I was talking about, and you may have guessed that I was not 100% serious with all of what I was talking about there, but I closed out with what I believed was a serious path to victory for the Packers, albeit boring, but serious ball control, maintaining drives, avoiding turnovers, at least slowing down the run and forcing Jimmy Garoppolo into a couple mistakes. But in this game, the Packers were pretty brutal on third downs. They gave up some bad sacks. They turned over the ball three times. They couldn't stop the run. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even have an opportunity to make a mistake because he didn't need to do anything other than turn around and hand off the ball. That is the recipe for a disaster. And surprise, if you put the ingredients for a disaster cake into the oven, that's what you're going to get. The Packers had a disaster in this game, and that's really all there is to say about it. It was bad. It was bad at the start and finished bad. It was bad in the middle. It was bad because Aaron Rodgers didn't play well. It was bad because Aaron Jones didn't do a lot with the ball when he had the opportunity to get it, and they really only tried to give it to him one way. It was bad because the Packers couldn't stop the ball from moving on the ground when the 49ers had it. Whatever the 49ers wanted to do in the run game, they could do. It was bad, 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 bad. Start to finish, top to bottom. Bad. It's hard to find a redeeming quality from this game. But that makes it hard to talk about this game because there's no contrast in here. It's just bad start to finish. So I propose we just move on. We talk about a couple bigger questions here. And the first real big question I have coming out of this game is how do we feel about Mike Pettin? I talked about this three or four weeks before the end of the season. Are we sure Mike Pettin is back for 2020? Are we sure? At the time, the Packers were still angling for the one seed, but it was going to be largely up to the defense whether or not they had the juice at the end of the season to get that by. And now here we are on the wrong end of a blowout loss in the playoffs. Conceptually, there's not a lot of overlap between this game and and the Packers lost to the 49ers in 2012. Other than giving up a ton of yards in the ground and a ton of points and generally looking like they did belong on the same field as the team they were playing by the end of the game, there's not a lot in common between those two games. But I vividly remember people calling for Dom Capers' head after that game. And it struck me as a little bit odd. He should have known that Colin Kaepernick was going to do that in that game. And he should have planned for that how- given the injuries the Packers had on defense at that point in the season? I don't know. I have no interest in relitigating that. But I do think it is interesting as a counterpoint to this year, because you haven't seen that sort of negative sentiment building towards Mike Pettin. And I think that's a little bit odd. And I think maybe there should be a little bit more of a negative sentiment here. Because Mike Pettin, and the whole of the Packers' defense, it should be pointed out, knew going into this game that this was exactly what San Francisco was going to try to do. It was going to be zone runs wide, zone runs up the middle, until you proved you could stop it, then play action with Jimmy Garoppolo. They never really got to that second part because they didn't have to. They didn't have to turn to Jimmy Garoppolo and say, hey, could you complete like two passes for us? They didn't need him to do anything. Because the 49ers were so dominant on the ground. And it didn't seem like the Packers were all that interested in getting in the way. It seemed like the Packers honestly didn't have a plan for dealing with the 49ers run game. And given that the Packers were ultimately able to put up some points, points with an asterisk it should be pointed out, because how intensely was San Francisco really trying to stop them there at the end of the game... They did seem pretty content to just let the Packers run clock. But given that the Packers did ultimately put up some points, it makes it look worse, I think, for the, for the Packers' defense. Because even if the Packers had gotten something going on offense, would it have mattered? It doesn't seem that way. And it seems like we're right back where we always were with that ongoing storyline about Aaron Rodgers needing help from his defense in the playoffs. Again, there are some asterisks here. Aaron Rodgers put the defense in a couple tough spots. The Packers offense really didn't do much at all until the second half when San Francisco took their foot off the brake, a little or foot off the gas a little bit on defense and was again content to let the Packers just chew up a, a bunch of clock, which is exactly what they did on their first drive after halftime. More than 6 minutes went off the clock as the Packers down what four possessions went down and scored a touchdowns and made it a three-possession game. Big whoop. Didn't ultimately mean a lick of difference. So I'm not sure Mike Pettin's job should be 100% secure going into this offseason. I don't know if I would call for a firing. That's not really my style. And there is, as I will always point out, the possibility that things could be worse on defense. But in this game, at least, it seems like things could also be better. And that, I guess, is my point. This maybe should be a conversation we should be having. And maybe don't be surprised if there are some more substantive rumors about a change in the works somewhere down the line here. If that is not the most mealy mouth prediction ever, I don't know what is. The second big thing I have coming out of this game is questions about how it affects Aaron Rodgers' legacy. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is ignorant of, of that part of these games. He is now one in three in NFC Championship games. And that one win, he didn't play particularly well in. That was the 2010 win over the Bears. I think there may have been a concussion at play in that game, but that is a conversation for a different, team, different day. The one in three is the real conversation now. Three NFC Championship game losses in a row. And now the second time he's lost to an NFC West team this year and, of course, in 2014. Incidentally, this is the sixth time Aaron Rodgers has lost to an NFC West team in the playoffs. He's lost to Arizona twice, Seattle once, and San Francisco now three different times. Without worrying or being overly concerned about who it is that he's lost to, just that he's lost, let's talk about the fact that the Packers have lost with him at quarterback a whole bunch. A lot of those are not necessarily his fault. Several of those losses have come on games where, or come in games, where the Packers lost just because they didn't get the ball last. That is a conversation for a different day, but it is part of the story. The point is, with Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback, the Packers have lost a whole bunch of playoff games. Yes, part of that story is that you were in the playoffs to lose a whole bunch of times, but it's not great if you want to have a conversation about where he ranks among the all-time great quarterbacks. Fair or not, these games are where those legacies get decided. So what does a game like this due to Aaron Rodgers' legacy. Let's set aside the numbers of how he played today. Even if we can't acknowledge that the final box score looks okay, I think we can agree as well that not all stats are created equal. couple legacy options here. Three of them, to be precise. First, back on the defense thing again. Aaron Rodgers has been betrayed by his defense once again. If you want to argue that one after this game, I think you'll get a lot of sympathy because the Packers' defense just was not very good. Packers' offense was also not very good, but I think if you're going to hang the def- or the- hang the blame on just one unit, the defense is probably going to come out slightly ahead in this one in the blame game, so they're getting more of the blame. I've said that poorly. The defense is going to get more blame for this game than the offense just because of how bad those numbers look especially the rushing defense. So we could go that route. We could circle back to the 2011 through 2016 storyline that we always heard. Aaron Rodgers just can't win in the playoffs because his defense isn't any good. But related to that is the favorite talk radio topic. Aaron Rodgers just can't win the big one. This was a big part of the Aaron Rodgers isn't clutch camp for several years. He comes up small in big games. I don't know if you'd say he came up small in this one, but he didn't play particularly well. And if you're just looking at the binary of wins and losses, he didn't win again for the third time in four tries in an NFC Championship game. That's a bad look for the legacy. Thirdly, you could go with the really even-handed option and say winning football games is really hard, and getting even one Super Bowl ring is a lot more than most. I don't think that one's going to get a lot of play. It may be the most fair. It may not be always 100% accurate because, yeah, Winning one Super Bowl is good, but the Packers have had now four chances to get to, well three chances to get to another one, and they've come up short each time. And in at least two of those three games, they weren't even in the game because their quarterback didn't play particularly well. That's part of the story here too. Maybe the question we need to ask going forward is, was this Aaron Rodgers' last best shot at a Super Bowl? The, the F word has come out again about these Packers a lot already. I've seen the word fraud get tossed around with this Packers team. Okay, if that's what you want to believe, fine, but these frauds were a game away from the Super Bowl. If Aaron Rodgers and a fraudulent Packers team here in 2019 is as close as he's ever going to get again, does it really matter if they are frauds or not? Not really. This is just the the closest he ever got again after 2014 or 16 or whatever other championship game you want to point to. As to whether or not it was his last real shot at a Super Bowl, just looking at guys who have come before him, probably yes, there is a good chance. Take Brett Favre, for example. He was to NFC Championship games in 1995, 96, and 97, won two of those three, obviously, but then didn't get back until 2007, and we all know how that game turned out. Aaron Rodgers has been to NFC Championship games in 2010, 14, 16, and now 19. Can he get to a fifth? In the short term, at least, the road looks like it's going to be a lot harder. You're going to hear a lot about regression for the Packers in the next days and weeks and months through the offseason. That is because the Packers benefited from a couple things this year. First, they benefited from playing a third-place schedule, so you're playing other teams that did not have super great records back in 2018. I don't know how big a factor that is, but it is at least partly a factor. The second big factor is uh, the Packers were very, very healthy this year. And it's a lot easier to win games when you've got all your preferred players around. Even if everyone on this roster comes back again, what are the chances they're as healthy as this again? Probably pretty slim. Just look at what happened in this game. Jair Alexander goes out with a thumb injury. Adrian Amos goes out with a pectoral injury, the severity of which we still don't know. Guys coming into this game were beat up all over the place. Brian Bulaga was sick. J.K. Scott was sick. Everyone at this point in the season is walking wounded, but at least on the Packers, they were healthy enough still to be able to play. Is that going to be the case in 2020? Will Aaron Rodgers be able even to put up with another full season? He hasn't played a lot of them recently. Just look back over the past few. 13, the collarbone. 14, he had a calf injury for most of the year. 15, he was healthy. 16, a little bit banged up again. 17, the collarbone. 18, the tibial plateau fracture again. And then 19, he's healthy again. That's not a lot of fully healthy seasons there going back almost half a decade. Chances are the road is at the very least going to be harder for the Packers next year and in the future. On top of that, They've got a few other big questions to answer. And this is as our focus turns a little bit to the future here with the Packers. They have 13 unrestricted free agents coming up this season, offseason. A few of those notable names include Blake Martinez, Brian Bulaga, Tremont Williams, Geronimo Allison, getting on that last one. But still, those are some big decisions there. You've got a starting linebacker, one of your starting tackles, a key piece of your secondary, And also Geronimo Allison. Not going to let that joke go yet. Those are some big decisions you have to make. And at least a couple of those are going to be pretty expensive. Blake Martinez, love him or hate him, is going to get probably some big money from someone just because he's put up some big numbers that people just look at in the box score. Oh, he has a lot of tackles. He must be all right. And to be fair, Blake Martinez is all right. He's probably on the better side of all right. But there are a lot of drawbacks there, too. Brian Bulaga is similar. Uh, He's very, very good when healthy. The when healthy has been better recently than in the past. But still, he's on the wrong side of 30, and how long is that health going to last? You can go on and on and on down the list, and we will in the coming days and weeks. But those questions are coming. Then, you talk about the draft. The Packers have some big needs to fill. How do you fill them And where? They're going to have need at inside linebacker, whether they sign Blake Martinez or not. Oren Burks does not appear to be the answer. B.J. Goodson, same story. Wide receiver, they desperately need help there. Tight end, you could probably even throw in there. There's always a need on the offensive line, defensive line, and in the defensive backfield. Those are just high volume positions, so you have to backfill a little bit there. And if Brian Bulaga is out the door, I don't think Jared Veld here is the answer there. I don't think Alex Light is the answer there either. Offensive line is going to need another injection of talent because it always does. you got to be always maintaining your offensive line. Defensive line too. You could use another big body next to Kenny Clark. And the defensive backfield is a lot like the offensive line. You need more healthy, competent bodies back there still. Then, looking even further down the line, it's probably not too early to start thinking about what you might want to do at a running back. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are under contract for 2020, but beyond that, not anymore. What do you do with those two guys? Do you re-sign both? One? Neither? That's a big conversation that's on the horizon. And if you want to make sure that you don't lose anything in that group, If one or both should depart, you start thinking about something like that now. Big questions on the horizon. Then it's time for reflection and rebuilding for everyone in the Packers organization, from Mark Murphy on down. We are in the rebuilding phase. Everybody rebuilds every offseason. Some rebuilds are bigger than others. That's where the Packers are now. After a disappointing end to the 2019 season, I've laid out our plans for 2020 already, so I won't belabor you with them here. But we're going to keep up this podcast throughout the offseason. I'm looking forward to it uh, probably as much as any offseason in recent memory. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be going on this offseason as the Packers really start to head into the latter years of Aaron Rodgers. That storyline isn't going away. And you're probably going to see a lot of stuff about, well, is this year maybe the Packers should think about drafting a quarterback? We will have that conversation too. For now, I will say thank you once again. It's been an incredible season. I've really enjoyed this. This run has been great. Came to a really, really unfortunate end. Maybe not unsurprising, but unfortunate nonetheless. And uh, I'm just grateful that we were able to to do it together, to go through it all together and enjoy it together. The enjoyable moments, which were many this year, uh, has been a lot of fun. That's all I've got for you on this episode. We will see you next time on Blue58. Thank you so much for listening, for downloading, for tuning in. If you want to support the show, leave us a rating and review in the podcast app of your choice. It does help more people find the show. If you want to take your support to the next level and get a look at some of our content that we are releasing just for Patreon supporters, head over to patreon.com slash Sweep, where $1 per month gets you access to that content and helps us offset some of our hosting costs for this show and for the site. And uh, if you just want to reach out, say hi, drop us a note on Facebook, on Twitter, via email, whatever, ask us a question. We will need your questions a lot as we work through off-season content. I want to know what you're thinking about so we can uh, help everybody uh, just continue this conversation about the Packers through these long off-season months as we continue this conversation, further this conversation, grow our understanding about football, it helps all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Mierdick. We will see you next time on Blue 58.